Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. And you're very welcome along. Uh, it is Wednesday Night Rugby. This is Johnny Ward. I'm with Rory O'Connor, uh, who is in studio, and former Irish legend Fiona Seed is on the line. Rory, I think the Clancy brothers would be very uh, proud of your clobber there. Do my best, Johnny. Yeah, it's um, it's a beautiful it's cold outside. Weather. It is cold outside. Just watching Anfield here, um, there's actually snow on the pitch, and the it, goals. Looks, it looks quite deep. Can we say there's been a goal? There's a goal. We can't One say there's been a goal. Yeah. Um, Liverpool have taken a very, very early lead in the big game, and I think it's Sadio Mane, uh, a very straightforward shot from the edge of the box. Yes, indeed, he's kissing the actual snow-covered <laughs> turf, and he looks very, very happy with himself. And it's like it's it's white, white all over on the ground around the penalty box. Mane, quick turn. Pass it into the bottom corner. Uh, any doubts about Liverpool uh, doing the job against Leicester on the back of Manchester City's mad result tonight? Certainly are parked for the time being. Big, big goal at Anfield. And we'll update you as the show goes on. But this is the Rugby Show Road. And if you are a rugby man, you must be pretty excited about things right now. Yeah, man or woman, this is the, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Keep the snow metaphors going. It's, uh, it's pretty, you know... It, it's a pretty gra- uh, grim. Nice metaphor. Yeah, exactly. It's a grim time of year, uh, you know, around the place. But uh, the the rugby generally lifts the kind of the mood a little bit. And this week is the week where everyone believes that they can go on and, and do things in in the Six Nations. It's a uh, World Cup year, which frames everything. But even within that World Cup year, the Six Nations still has its place. It's still an important place. And um, you know the the joy that people got out of Ireland winning the Grand Slam last year, the the last gasp win in Paris, right through to that ph- phenomenal performance in Twickenham. Um, I suppose everyone in Ireland is looking forward to seeing if Ireland can get back up to those heights again. So it's uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's a time that everyone looks forward to with great anticipation. And you're approaching the start line, thinking you know Ireland can do it this year. How are you keeping Fiona? I'm good, I'm good. Rory had a good save there with whether it's man or woman. You need to up your game a little bit there, Joe. You know? <laughs> oh, God. Look at this already. It was just... Absolutely. It, it, was, it was a slip of the tongue. I'm primarily, uh, I'm primarily a racing journalist and uh, pretty much in racing, it's, it's probably the most egalitarian sport in the world. So I... I, I um, yeah, I, 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 I can't be accused of that at all. You know? um, but, of course, Ireland and England, the ladies' game on... On uh, Friday night at five o'clock as well, Fiona. I I don't know. It just doesn't seem quite right that a game of that magnitude should be on on a Friday at five o'clock in Donnybrook as well, where obviously traffic's going to be fairly chaotic. Yeah, I mean, I suppose with, from a, a broadcasting perspective, you know, they're doing a double header with the with the twenties, and um, I suppose that's the scheduling piece. Five o'clock is a little early, but what better reason to um, take a couple of hours off work and finish early and get along to Donnybrook to, to support the girls and to see, you know, some top class internationals on both sides going head to head. So, um, yeah, look, at we all have time and it, it's just, you know, it's what you do with your time. And if people could take a couple of hours off and head to Donnybrook, they won't be disappointed, you know, and then they could head on to the Legends game after that, couldn't they? So... Yeah, we'll, we'll obviously talk about that game uh, more and so in the second half of the rugby show. But just for you know, what, what do you make of the, the news or the, certainly the rumour that uh, Robbie Henshaw could be starting at 15? That was probably the big uh, story on the beat today in, in rugby circles. And it's something that has certainly prompted a lot of debate. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I mean, I certainly didn't see it coming. But And, you know, he hasn't played at 15 for, for quite a while, really. Obviously, he did it quite a bit at Connacht. Um, 
but I can see the value in it. Obviously, um, Rob Carney, you know, hasn't had as much game time of late and maybe Joe is um, just, I suppose, looking at his options around the, the full-back the full place. It's um, Now, he could also be, you know, playing a fast run or pulling a dummy or whatever, but it's certainly, I wouldn't have any fears with him there. Um, I think it allows you to get perhaps um, more attacking players onto the pitch while still having, you know, real solidity at the back. What do you make for Rudd? Um, is, is it a potential ruse? I hope not, because my name is on the story. Is one of the stories that that put it out there. No, I'm pretty. I'm pretty confident that the the information is is solid. Um, it's an interesting. It's really interesting. I think it's something that Rob, that Joe Joe, Car- Joe sorry Joe Schmidt has had on his mind for some time. Um, Putting Henshaw fullback at some stage. Yeah. yeah. So in 2017, he lost. Um, he pretty much knew he was losing Jared Payne to retirement, and he knew that Simon Zebo was gone to France and was thus ruling himself out of the equation. And while Rob Carney has been an unbelievable servant who always delivers for Ireland, he wasn't sure what he had underneath that in terms of uh, fullback options. Now he has good players. He's Jordan Larmour who's come through in the last year. He's Will Addison who primarily plays at centre for Ulster, but is, is is able to cover fullback well. He's Andrew Conway again plays mostly on the wing for Munster, but is an accomplished fullback. So he doesn't get many opportunities to try it. And he tried. I think he put a, he put a, a Hench on the bench against Fiji in 2017 November. And the way the game went, he couldn't bring him on there. Joey Carberry got injured. They needed to win the game. He put him on in the centre. There was some talk that during the November internationals he was going to get a run there as well, but he pulled his hamstring. And I guess at this stage, you've got five games um, in the Six Nations that are competitive until the World Cup because the World Cup warm-up games are warm-ups and they're not, you know, they're, they, they will be mixed and matching, but it doesn't count for much. And Joe Schmidt is, is in his final year. He's won the Grand Slam. He's won two Six Nations apart from that Grand Slam, you know, three in total. So while he wants to win this and, and spring into the World Cup from this, he's, he at the same time probably doesn't have the pressure on him from the IRFU perspective about winning it, that he, he's not going to throw it by any means. And I don't think this decision means he's going to throw it, but I think he's got a little bit of freedom in which to experiment. And this is a, a huge experiment to put in because for all that Kearney has played very little rugby, Henshaw's played less since November. Um, that hasn't been actually made much of a point of it all. Yeah, so like, yeah, Henshaw came back, played 60 minutes for Leinster against Wasp, played really, really well, and is the kind of player who generally comes back and hits the ground running. But he is, he, he's had an injury hit year. He's clearly able to do it at a, at a certain level, and I believe that he will be able to do it on Saturday. I think he is, he is more than capable of stepping up to the mark. He's a really accomplished rugby player in every part of the game. But we've never seen him. He's, he's played one. He's won one cap at Ireland for Ireland in the fullback role. That was in 2013. His debut as a 19-year-old against the United States. I was there over in Houston. It didn't go particularly well for him. But then you know he was a teenager making his debut. So that's it's pretty irrelevant now. So what it's a massive decision. What did you make of Carney's performance Friday night? Because I mean he, he was either rusty or he was you know, he just didn't have a particularly good game. No, he didn't. And he put his own hands up, I, I believe, and, and 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 admitted that. And and he missed a couple of tackles he shouldn't miss. But. The one thing about Rob Kearney, he's been always been able to bounce back into international level and perform. And, and Joe Schmidt tapped him on the shoulder on the way out to the pitch in Chicago in 2016 and said, you need a big one out here today. You know, his form hadn't been good, he, he'd had injuries, and yet he produced a really big performance that day. And I still think he's number one in the pecking order for the number 15 shirt. But if, if Henshaw goes well on Saturday, the seven-day turnaround to Scotland, he's the man in possession suddenly. And with Bundy Aki and Gary Ringrose in the centre, Chris Farrell backing them up, Rob Kearney's 
in a bit of a bind. So it's, it's, it, 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 it creates opportunities for Schmidt in terms of a selection and, and it gives him wiggle room in terms of being able to get all of his best players on the pitch. It creates depth. It, it's a rocket up Rob, Rob Kearney's backside that you know he hasn't had for some time, which Schmidt will expect a response. And you know if Rob Kearney gets better, that's good for Irish rugby as well. It's intriguing. It's made the whole week way more interesting, and if it's you, already interesting week. If you say get his best players in the pitch, though, surely Joey Carby should at least be in contention in theory for playing at fifteen. Uh, yeah, no, that's true. And uh, but Joe Schmidt has he has even less depth. I think at number ten, and number ten is a very important position. So I think um, you know I, I think. Carberry's role is definitely backup number 10 and he needs to get as much time on the training paddock as well as the, the, the pitch at number 10 and I think they've just gone, I think even after the World Cup they might look at him at more, you know, as, a, as, as an option there more but right now if Johnny Sexton goes down, Joey Carberry's next man up and they need to get time under his belt. We have Brian O'Driscoll on now. Brian was uh, talking about actually the Henshaw situation where he sees this going forward and um, it's just interesting to hear what he said. No, because because. Bundy and Robbie played together in Connacht and were very effective. So, um, so Gary goes down. There, there's a flexibility of Robbie being able to play 12 and 13, 15 at a stretch. Um, That's always if it was called on. We've never seen it though. Like. Yeah, I think he likes 15 too. I think, right. yeah, I think he's, he, you know, if he had his way and, and he was the coach, he, yeah. might, he might enjoy a bit more time at, at, at 15. Um, it be interesting to see what happens with that development. You know, if after the World Cup, Rob Carney decides to to move on, or whether the the, the feeling is that there's you know time to invest in some of the younger players, Larmer or Conway, or yeah. or you know a position or or an Addison, or um, or maybe Robbie Henshaw to try and fit your best players in, and that's what has to happen. You know, remember years ago, Shane Horgan, you know, never playing, never played on the wing before in his life, and he, he got capped internationally as a winger and became a winger thereafter yeah. because you, it's just about getting your best ball players on the park and and when you've got four centres of the calibre of the ones we've mentioned if you can have a positional switch where you can keep you can get three of those four on the pitch um, and they'll do as good a job well then why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Fiona, what's your call on this? And I suppose, uh, ultimately does it matter much in the sense of Ireland being such an overwhelming favourites that uh, who we play at fullback? Well, no, I think it does. I mean, I think Rob Carney has never let us down, you know, and he's always been dependable. Um, and I don't, you know, if Rice was right, he'd be there and he'd be there white till the World Cup. But I don't think there's, there's room for sentiment in this or room for, you know, OK, he's done well in the past and I, I think he'll do well again. But obviously, you know, maybe with injury and with game time and then maybe not performing as well as he could in, in the last match, then, you know, it's good to have other options. I think... Looking at the way Joe always sets up his teams, he does like somebody who's dependable at the back, as opposed to you know Larmer, who absolutely could light up you know any any match, but you know has been found wanting a little bit you know defensively and and that sort of thing. So um, I think it's a really you know it's, it's a good position to be in to have the strength and depth that's been talked about there to look at the different options um, and it, you know you'd sort of be looking at two you know who are you who would you who would be your first choice. 12, 13, if everybody is fit, because we haven't really had that decision to make um, up to now with, you know, Henshaw being injured and Ringo's been injured before that. And, you know, there hasn't really been where you could say, well, this is our nailed on, you know, 12, 13. And um, I think that influence it is. And it's about the whole, it, it is about the whole of the back line. I wouldn't be 
you know, I wouldn't be putting Joey Carberry in, in at full back. I wouldn't be looking at him there. I mean, I think we need a genuine replacement for, for Sexton, um, should anything happen. And, um, at the moment, then Carberry seems to be in the, in pole position for that. And, you know, the whole reason that he went to Munster was, was to play at 10. And he's getting good game time there and he's growing into the position. So I certainly wouldn't be messing around with him if, you know, certainly not before the, not before the World Cup. What game um, time will he get during the Six Nations? Sorry? What game time will Joey Carberry get during the Six Nations, do you think? Okay, so what game time will he get and what game time do I think he should get? So I would, like, I'd be starting him against Scotland or Wales. That's what I think should happen, you know, and definitely Italy, to see can he produce it. Um, because I suppose in, in the last World Cup, and, you know, I go on about it a lot, but, you know, one of the, the criticisms was that, um, you know, Madigan at the time hadn't had enough time at 10. Well, you know, you don't want to wait till the World Cup to get that. So I would certainly start him, and I'd like to see him starting one of the one of the away games to see how he handles all of that. Do you agree, Rod? With Sexton um, on the bench, um, what time do I think he'll get? You know, I think limited this weekend. I think um, after that, then it'll it'll depend on, on how the games are going. Yeah, I, I think Fiona has a has a point, and, I, and I, I, a very good point, and I think that. Joe Schmidt has signalled that he's maybe going to do a bit more of experiment, you know, that, that he's willing to make a few more bold calls with the ultimate goal of having the World the squad Cup. ready. So I wouldn't be massively shocked if he was involved against Scotland next week. It probably depends on how they, they come out of this weekend. If you're going over there having lost England with needing to rescue something, then probably Johnny Sexton starts. But yeah. Joey Carberry has yeah. been superb um, for Munster. He's in excellent form. He's shown just sure flashes, rival. Of, yeah, he's yeah, shown like, flashes of genius in some of Oh, absolutely. And, and he needs the experience. And, and Schmidt, in fairness, threw him in in the first test in Australia as well. So I don't think what Fiona's put out there um, is, is unrealistic. I think Schmidt... You know, if things go right, I mean, it is, you know, he still wants to finish in the top half of the table. He wants to win it, obviously, but he wants a top two finish. He probably thinks he can achieve that while leaving Rob Kearney out of the England game or leaving, you know, leaving Johnny Sexton out of the game too. The only problem is that Sexton probably hasn't played, no, he hasn't played since, since that Munster game on, on December 29th. Mm. It depends on what's in his leg. So, um, you know, I think that there's a need to get Carberry exposure. And I think that plan that Fiona's mapped out probably makes sense. Get your uh, rugby text tweets and Facebook comments into us and you could be named our Heineken star comment of the week and that would win yourself some Heineken goodies and a signed rugby ball and we will announce the winner on Friday. So get your comments in now. I certainly love the comments of uh, John Mitchell. Um, <laughs> I was reading your article in the Irish Defence Day Road. I just thought he really stirred the pot here. It's something oh, yeah. to the effect that they're going to bore the shit out of us. Um, was it, yeah. And it was like... Uh, you know, I don't know, is, is, was he actually, did he mean that? Or was it like another snipe at Joe Schmidt from a Kiwi? Or what was he just trying to stir the pot? I think the opposition coaches over the years have, have routinely kind of made backhand the compliments to Ireland's direction. And I think it's always been about the way Ireland play. And, and really, it shouldn't bother anyone in Ireland, really, how they play as long as they're winning. And to be honest, I've been at nearly every, nearly every one of Ireland's games over the last, uh, under the, during the Joe Schmidt era, and I've already not been entertained. You if know, you weren't Irish, would you have been entertained? I would, yeah. No, they're, they're usually dramatic. They're usually excellent uh, in terms of their, their, their delivery of the skills of the game. Sometimes they're, you know, the team can be quite cold and clinical. They can go after a team's strengths ruthlessly. But, um, yeah, John Mitchell, uh, they, they obviously see, think there's something to be gotten out of it. I don't know where they're trying to go into Ireland, go Ireland into playing a game that they don't want to play. I don't think Ireland will fall for that sort of thing. He did couch it in a load of compliments as well, and, and Ireland will say that he was being misquoted. Yeah. But it was, uh, oh, look, it's good, good, clean fun to, keep, to, to kick the week off, and uh, 
makes life a little bit more interesting. It just puts a little bit more target on English backs, which is never a bad thing. Yeah, and Fiona, what, what do we expect of England? Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about just the physicality of, of, of the game yeah. from an Irish perspective, but obviously there's a lot more to it than that. And, um, you know, they're going in here as 3-1 to one outsiders or whatever it is against Ireland, which obviously historically would have been a complete aberration. No, absolutely, and I, I think that's, uh, that's you know decent odds. You know, you'd, you'd nearly chance it on it. But are you are you suggesting we back England? Up, you know, if they go with um, Farrell, Clade, Tulagi, um, in in their midfield, or if they go with Ford Farrell, you know, as to you know if if you have Farrell there at ten, you've got the traditional. 10, 12, 13 axis and I think that'll be really exciting and, and really interesting to see. Um, key for them is having Billy Vunapola back at 8 um, you know that he gives that physicality but he's got amazing feet as well and like he's you know for a big man he carries really really well he moves well when he's going into contact and he'll give them the sort of go forward ball um, so I suppose the setup will will tell as to you know which way they're, they're going to play and you know what they, they get sort of branded with the, you know, the heavish, the bullish, the the brutish, you know, all of these terminologies. But there's a lot more subtlety in their game as well that I suppose is sometimes under-recognized and under-appreciated. And all these mind games that are going on, like, I mean, you know, they're great at throwing out the, the compliments and the backhanded compliments. But they're coming over here, you know, they're coming over here to win. I mean, I think the, you know... The battle of of the tight fives, you know, when you look at you know scrum time and everything else, two you know great packs will be going at it. It's it's just going to be fantastic. Like it's just it's one of those games, you know, you just you want to be at, you want to play in, um, and you know I think they have a lot more. I suppose up their sleeves, and sometimes people think that they're going to come over here and bash and try to bash their. Like, you know, they're a lot more subtle than that. And Farrell has a huge amount of um, of skills, you know, depending on the, the hand, wrist, thumb injury being, you know, you don't want your fly half having that sort of injury, but we're presuming that he'll be okay, you know, and that yeah. he'll be able able for it. So I think they have, I, I, I don't think we can say what way they'll come out um, because they have all the skills. But again, it's the setup, isn't it? It's, it's, it's whether they go for a Farrell at 10 or whether they move him out one. How do you call a word? The result? I think Ireland will do it. I, I think last I saw it was nine point spread, which I think is you know, massively generous um, in Ireland's favour. These games, I know last year Ireland were pretty comprehensive winners uh, in Twickenham and deservedly so. It was one of the best performances I've seen from an Ireland team. You're, you're asking them to go out and do that again on having not played together since November with players like Conor Murray's you know, still a bit scratchy after coming back from his injury. Sexton hasn't played in more than a month. Now you've got Robbie Henshaw playing fullback. Um, You've got very little depth in the second row with uh, Byrne and, and Henderson both ruled out. There's a couple of risks, and also you bring Ben Te- or sorry, uh, Biddy Vinopolo back in, and, and he, his ability to attract defenders and also pass the ball. He's a really, really good player. He adds something special to what England can bring. So I think Ireland will win, but I think it'll be much closer than than, than that nine points. I think it'll be tight. It's I think the forecast is that it's going to be dry, but it's going to be very, very cold. Um, I think it'll be one of those Ireland England games that'll be pretty. A bit, of a, war ugly, of a bit of a war of attrition, but Ireland just have enough um, to get over the line. Fiona, conversely, England are, would be pretty hot favourites on Friday night, and uh, I guess this is billed as a, maybe an England or France is probably going to win the tournament, but what can we expect from Ireland? Was there going to be an improvement from the November International as well when they were actually pretty competitive for at least half the game? They were competitive for, for half the game, you know, and then England ran out, I think it was 37, 15 or that, but they brought on, like England brought on Casey Daly-McLean, you know, their 
100 caps, you know, 10 to, to run the show. And England actually, I think, got one conversion out of seven or something that day. So they weren't quite firing on all cylinders. But to be fair to Ireland, like they have, um, you know, they've progressed through through the Autumn Internationals with, I suppose, trying, you know, a few different combinations and that. A big ask for them Friday night. Um, you know, it really is. But what I suppose we'd be looking for is to see, you know, see a game plan being executed, looking at them, you know, attacking England with their strengths. Um, Lauren Delaney, who's, you know, Irish qualified, plays for Waterloo in, in England. At fullback, she had a great autumn international, so she did. And then she started at fullback. Um, Nicole Fowley from God Regions and Connacht was starting her first her first match at ten and she came on she came on in the in the November and she um you know, it, there'll be a lot asked of her and um we're missing we're missing Lindsay Pete as well who started I think the last seven or eight um games at Loosehead. So a big ask for Laura Feely as well, you know, starting up there. But to be fair, like we've we've you know, we've usually front up really well in terms of scrum and line out um, for them and like we've got a really good mid- midfield, you know, Michelle Claffey and Senny Nupu who's like world class um in, in the you know, in 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 the centres, and you know that it seems to be gelling together. So let's look for a performance against England. Let's see, you know, can we get a little bit of a sense of where they're about and where their strengths are? It's a great opportunity for the wider public to to see where we are because last year was a rebuilding year. There was a lot of changes. There was a lot of new people bring you know brought in. Um, at England, then you know they have um, like. You know, they have, uh, as I said, Katie Dale McLean and um, Sarah Hunter both have over 100 caps. You know, we don't have that. Um, we have Claire Malloy um, at, at seven, who is world class, who would probably make her way into any team in the world. Um, and Kira Griffin, captain at eight. So, you know, and they're sort of, I suppose, the, the back row is then... I, combined with Julie Short, who, you know, she's only getting her, her second cap or that. So there's a little bit of inexperience, but they have a bit of inexperience in the back row. So it's going to be, you know, hanger and, hammer and thongs in terms of going at it. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping that Nicole Powley, you know, manages to, she, she is an excellent kicker in terms of out of hand, you know, position. She's just really inexperienced and, you know, starting your first Six Nations game against England's is a, is a tough one, so I'm hoping that she gets um, good protection and good mm. service to do that. Overall, for the for the Six Nations, like France, France have been fantastic. They're just you know playing so well. They beat New Zealand in the autumn, which is which is huge for them. But then some of their players are gone to the to the sevens in Sydney. You know, Jessie Tremile, who was the World Player of the Year, she's over in in Sydney this weekend. Are a couple of girls you know that could be playing for Ireland. Um, so it's interesting all round, um, you know. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough ask for them, and I think, you know, I think they'll be looking for performance, and you know, it, it'll be, I suppose, it'll be a great experience for them. But you know, we need to start to see now this year a little bit of progression, a little bit of, I suppose, continuity, and um, you know, some attacking play. Leicester have just missed an absolute sitter uh, against Liverpool. Is there is there a bit of motivation here for Adam Griggs just to say like English rugby is going really professional? We are the underdogs here. Let's show this. You know we we can become something of an upstart because they do look up against it just in terms of how strong England are. It, it, it's just it, funny listening to Fiona. It, it just it strikes me it's almost similar to the men's team in the nineties when they were you know there was play players making debutantes in Six Nations games because there's just no 
not that many opportunities for the women's team outside of these these windows to to blood the players and and it's just for, you know I wouldn't follow be following it as, as closely as Fiona but it's just every time you hear a women's team announced there's about five or six asterisks beside players names because they're making their debut there seems to be a huge turnover in players it seems to be a very uh, big struggle towards trying to get continuity and I think what Griggs needs to do I think it's two years out from a World Cup you know a very different so spot of the cycle to where to where the Ireland men's team are is to try and just generate those uh, some cohesion within the squad and the team and um, build continuity in, in those in those kind of key areas t towards that. So um, I think he, he may try and use that as a motivation against England, but I think he'll really be looking for performance. I mean, he, he's 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 a, a highly rated coach who has clearly got his own ideas. He's putting his own stamp on the squad. You know what? It is obviously a clear decision to move away from that team that that won the Grand Slam and um, and, and that beat New Zealand in 2014. Neve Briggs, you know, is an experienced player who just can't seem to get get into the squad at all. He, I think he he's just looking for a performance on Friday. He wants the, the team to show against England what they can do. I don't think there's any great expectation on them to go and win. Um, it's those away games that are key in the Six Nations. And the, the RFU's strategic report had the the or strategic plan for women's rugby had the top three finishes as their goal for the Six Nations. I think a top three finish is what Adam Gregg said last week at the Six Nations launch, and that's what he's going for. And I, I think he's looking beyond those two home games. I guess the, one, the problem he has is that the games he's expected to win or he's hoping to win are all away from home, and that makes life a little bit more difficult for him. And best of luck as well to Alison Miller. She's having her first uh, return to the squad since suffering a horrific injury around about a year ago. And uh, guys, thanks a million for coming in and for coming on. Uh, enjoy the weekend rugby. Thanks, Johnny. And, Thanks, uh, Johnny. Just uh, a couple of texts as well. Um, certainly one at the top here. Uh, I think it's crazy to make England heavy favourites for this game. Any game between us and England is a 50-50 game. Uh, I don't think it's a 50-50 game, Sean, in Meath, but it may well be a lot shorter uh, than the bookies suggest. We'll take some ads. Off the ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.